0: Word. It's good to see you, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, righteous and magnificent Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for, we might focus on you. As we look into your word, Lord God, please grant to us strength and grant to us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And give us what we need to continue this good fight of faith another day another week until you call us home we thank you for Jesus your great son who died on that cruel cruel cross of Calvary and all these things we ask we ask for it according to your will in Jesus name amen the apostles and disciples found themselves with a feeling of deep depression you might say hope you have to say this hopelessness, hurt, struggle, and difficulty. And just picture for just a moment the scariest night of their lives. And, and we can understand why they would go, they would retract into this shell. Right? We're going to Mark chapter 14. And as a turtle, they retract into this shell for protection of their minds. The text says in Mark 14:29, Peter, speaking to Jesus in reply to a message that Jesus says that all of you will fall away." But Peter said to him, "Even though all may fall away yet, I will not." And then in verse 46, and they laid hands on Jesus, they laid hands on him and seized him. But a certain one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out to me with swords and clubs to arrest me as against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but this has happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled, and they all left him and fled. John chapter twenty. And why did they leave? They were shaken to the core. They were shook. What do they do next? What do you do do now? Now that everything that you hoped for, everything that you thought was true, now has been challenged in your life, what do you do next? Well, you hide. I mean, whether it be for for shame or, or whatever's going on in your mind, you find the disciples in John 20 hiding. The text says in verse 19, And when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when Jesus came, that just took care of everything, right? They were like, Yes, now we're good. No, no, that didn't happen because a few days later in verse 26, look at where they are. And after eight days, again, his disciples were inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. The doors being shut, well, the understanding is it was locked. The doors were locked. They were hiding. They were in despair. What do we do we do now? Do we truly believe In chapter 21, beginning at verse 1, and after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. They were together, Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel, and of Cana, and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples, and Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go back and do what we used to do. I'm going to go back and do what I'm most comfortable doing. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. The idea is they're going back to what they, they know to be true. They're fishermen. You know, we're not, we're not Jesus' disciples in that way. We're, we're not these great men. Luke chapter 24, who are going to shake up the world like Jesus said. We're just We're just fishermen. We gave up everything. And now what? And so some of the disciples echoed to us, speaking to Jesus, about how they really felt and where they were at this moment in their lives, how they were these turtles, if you will, hiding, struggling, suffering inside, internally. And they didn't really know what to do with it. And they said to Jesus in verse 17. What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking, and they stood still looking sad? So here's a question. If he's appeared to them on many occasions, why are they still sad? Why are they still in this, this, this shell? Why are they still in this moment of, of hopelessness? It's amazing where life can take you, huh? And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, "Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days?" And he said to them, "What things? Oh, if they had the internet, right? Haven't you looked at Google? I mean, I mean, whatever. You know, it got the got the and all the people and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping." You see that problem? They had lost their hope. You ever been there, church? You ever lost your hope in something you thought was good and you pursued it, and then you find out maybe it's. We were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, we're back in a hopeless state. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happen, And you know, they're reflecting back on that understanding that he said on the third day. And those ladies, the next text, and you continue reading, and it was revealed to him that, no, he did rise, but they were still in a hopeless state because they weren't, they weren't ready to receive the truth. They didn't understand. They were They were struggling. On a hopeless feeling. What do we do now? You ever, you ever been there? Let's go back and let's grab a, a lady named Ruth. You know her very well. And we're going to the book of Ruth, rather. And I, and I wanted to grab a lady named Naomi. And when we go back into the Old Testament and we, we grab this, this Naomi, I want you to think about, you know, as the judges, as the judges go along and Uh, The difficulties and the things that are going, you know, this oppression and wickedness and evil and repentance and the cycle of life, but here's this one lady that God wants to highlight to us in her family. During this this great famine, beginning in verse 3, as the family moved away, then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one, Orpah. And the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Mahlon and Chilion also died. And the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Her circumstances. Still during a famine weren't getting better. Over these 10 years, they were just getting worse and more difficult. And now she's lost her husband and now she's lost her two children. And here they are, stuck. And Naomi says, the only thing I know to do is I need to go back home. I need to go somewhere where I can get some help. She was in a very deep pit. So much so to where she she describes her pit. To us, she changed her name, right? She the way she saw herself, and this is what happens when we become those turtles, right? The way we see ourselves changes, and when, when, we, when the way we see ourselves changes, the way we see the world changes. You know, like you think about uh, numbers um, when they were going over to cross the promised land. The spies were sent out, and they said we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. They never said that. That's how they felt. The Nephilim never told them you were just like grasshoppers. But the way you see the world comes through the eyes in which you see yourself in the world. How do you see yourself today in relationship to Christ and the glories of God? So in verse 19, she changed her name. Chapter 1, the Bible says, So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came about, when they had come to Bethlehem, that all the cities were stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And you can imagine the smiles on their faces, right? You know, Naomi's back, right? Wow. And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And Naomi, Naomi means pleasant. Is this not Naomi, the pleasant one? And Naomi says, no. This is Mara, the bitter one, because Mara means bitter. I'm bitter right now. So you can imagine, you're looking into her heart, and you're realizing through the text that that her struggles have put her into a deep pit of despair, depression, you might say. She was inside of that shell, and bitterness was her new protection. You've been there, right? And in verse 21, I went out full, but the Lord... You see what Satan does? Right? The way you see yourself is the way you see your world. Sometimes it's the way you see God. Right? The Lord did this to me. Did he? I went out full. Full in whose eyes? In my eyes. See, when I went out, everything was perfect. Perfect. Was it? There was a famine when you went out. That's the reason you went out. We're not trying to judge her mind. We're learning. We're looking into the eyes of, of humanity and looking into the heart of Naomi. We're realizing that Naomi is, is in a bitter, bitter part of her life in a very, very deep pit. And who could blame her? I mean, where would we be? Where would I be if I were in this situation? I'd be right in that same pit with her. Right? How would I have handled that? I don't know how I would handle something like that. What a terrible place to be in the world's eyes. In my eyes. And I'm sure in your eyes. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. It's almost like she's saying, you know, she's almost praying. Why are you calling me Naomi? Hey, whoa, we didn't know. Right? I mean, The Lord has afflicted me. Have you ever been there, church? In a situation in your life to where things aren't going the way you anticipated them to, and the first thing you do is start blaming God. I don't know why God's doing this to me. You ever heard people say that? I, I don't know why God did this. Look, and I'm not making light of this situation or this thought. This is what a terrible place to be. What a a terrible place to be. This is what Satan knows. It is a terrible place to be. And it's an easy opportunity to destroy someone's faith in God. Satan knows that because we're vulnerable and we're weak. So she believed that God was afflicting her. Not, Not just her, though. You know, you know God has afflicted me. He's afflicted my two daughters-in-law, the land, and I. I just have heard in this situation, in this, in this place, it's it hard to see the future. Right? The future? Anyone talk about the future? Can't even get through today. The next minute, right? it's tough. And it's at this point that she has a hard time living by faith. It's one of the worst things you can say to someone. Okay, just keep living by faith. I'm trying to find faith. I mean, I'm in this this deep pit and you say to me, live by faith? Sometimes the the wisest men in the Bible were Job's three friends. When they came to help, they shut their mouths. That was a good place to be for a moment. When they opened their mouths, they were in trouble. Here's what's interesting. I want to talk to to you. If you you know think about being in yourself for just a moment in your life, where were you going through? And if you can look back and and you know whatever number of years back, and you can see today, now today you can hindsight. Now yeah, you can see, okay, but God, God truly. Can turn you know good out of you know bad things. He can turn them into good. He can make good come out. But it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. It's just going to be different. Thank you, God, for that. And that that and that there's still going to be that hole there, right? It's going to be there forever. You don't try to fill that hole because then you're trying to you know you, you then try to compare you know this person with that person and this. You have other people say, well, you've got some mighty big shoes to fill. I I can't feel those shoes. But if only we could sometimes get a glimpse into the future to see why God is using me. He's using my situation. However my situation came about, he's using me for something. You ever heard Christians say, be careful what you pray for. I remember going down to Soldatna and there was a, I, one day I went up and I prayed and I said we're gonna pray for patients and I was and then the lady stopped me and said the last time we prayed for that we got six women got pregnant so don't pray for that one. I said all right. It's <laughs> one of my private prayers. Change was coming. But she couldn't see it. The apostles couldn't see it, the disciples couldn't see it. So many Bible people, you can't see it. We don't know it. We're standing here in our today and life just seems difficult and our struggles are, are vast and what an amazing thing some have gone through and others are going through. And, but we can't see the change. But change is on its way. Because here's what we learn in the scriptures. God never leaves his people without a deliverer. Now keep in mind, deliverance may mean death for you, right? I mean, it says that. It's very clear in that. Psalm 116, in fact, says that to us. But there will be deliverance and there will be change because Satan will not win. He cannot win. We've already gained the victory. If only she could understand that through her lineage, a king, earth has ever met King David. Ruth 4 and verse 13. The Bible tells us So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer. Today he has made or has his name became famous in Israel, the Redeemer. Boaz was a redeemer, right? He's a type Jesus, if you will. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, so they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Oh, if she had known that. If she could could only see King David, and if she could read the literature today written in the Scriptures and all over the world about King David, she would be proud and not bitter. But we don't know the future. And it didn't stop there. Matthew chapter 1. Another king was coming. This king was king, priest, and savior. And he would come through that lineage. Jesus, the Christ. How could God take something so great and bring it out of something so bitter? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. To Abraham was born Isaac, and to Isaac Jacob, and to Jacob Uriah, uh, Judah and his brothers. And to Judah was born Perez and Terah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron, and Hezron Ram. And the Ram was born Aminadab, to Aminadab, Nashon to Nashon, Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab. The Boaz was born Obed by Ruth. And to Obed Jesse. The Jesse was born David the king. But Jesus came through Ruth. Naomi's people. If we can only see, if we can only see the future, you know, life, life hurts. Genesis thirty seven. If we can only see the future, because life does, it truly, truly hurts. There are things that have happened that, you know, someone said, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. You ever heard that before? That's just how bad it was, whatever that situation or circumstance is. I'm going to Genesis chapter 37. Life hurts. And you know the bad thing about life hurting is that sometimes life hurts for us. It hurts from our childhood, growing up. And I'm thinking just for a moment and kind of wrapping this this thought up. If we could just see the outcome through my life and my difficult circumstances that that God has an amazing plan and it it begins with me. Joseph, Genesis 37, what what a difficult life. Verse 3 and 4. And I know Joseph wasn't, you know, he, he was the, the bratty kid. We get that. But Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons. That didn't help any, right? Favoritism of parents. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. Because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated. I mean, just think about this. You're growing up, and your brother's, your own biological brothers, they hate you to the point where they can't speak a kind word to you. They, they can't speak to you on friendly terms. They don't like you. They don't want to see you. They hate you. Not dislike you. They they hate you. And you're a young kid and you have to grow up with that kind of sibling rivalry. In verse 10, the text says, as the dream continued, he related to his father and to his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him what is this dream that you have had shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground his brothers were jealous of him but his father kept the saying in mind jealousy so, so it's not only they hated him there's this new word that we, we look into their hearts and they were, they were jealous of him and you know Proverbs chapter 6. Actually, Proverbs 27. When when people are jealous of you, they can really make your life, they can make it difficult. You're talking about bitterness to the soul? Listen to what Proverbs says, and Solomon speaks to us through wisdom. Proverbs 27 in verse 4. Wrath is fierce, and anger is a flood, but... But who can stand before the Folks jealous of you? So the brothers were angry, resentful, they, they hated their brother, they were jealous of their brother. How difficult did they make that young boy's life? And he could he could say truly, well, I hey, this is not me, this is God. That didn't matter. And let me tell you something. When you're talking to the world and and they're struggling and and they don't care if it's God. They don't even believe in God. They don't have that kind of faith in God. And that's usually what they don't want to hear. Jealousy. Proverbs 6 and uh, the verse is uh, 34. Jealousy. For jealousy enrages a man and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Just, just, And yet, how many of us would sign up if you knew the future? And God said, okay, I'm I'm looking, I'm looking, Isaiah, I'm looking for someone. I I need someone. And look, you're going to have to struggle for many, many years. And it's going to be a very difficult time. but, But through you, or because of you, or because of your struggle, I'm going to bring forth some amazing things. How many of us would sign up for that? That's why it's only written once in the Bible Here I am, send me. How many of us would say, Lord, okay, if you're going to use me, that's great. Okay, what am I going through? I'm going to go through, okay, uh, about, I'm going to go to jail, and then they're going to beat me, and then they're going to, oh yeah, oh yeah, Lord, I want that. Right? And then how many of us would rather or prefer, we're going to Genesis chapter 50, to have heaven on earth? You see, and that's, that's the struggle. I prefer to have Heaven on earth and then I'll take the heaven in heaven but you know regardless of what happens in this life we know that we have a joyful one coming and thank you God for that but still it's true that none of us want to be found in despair none of us want to be in this spot and sometimes we find ourselves there and if you've never been there you'll be there maybe maybe you won't I pray God you never are And then there are degrees of this, right? There are things that I've gone through that I look at someone else and go, whoa, I could never handle that. And they look back at me and go, I could never handle that. And yet, we handled it because God knows what we can endure and what we cannot. God knows how strong our faith is and how weak we are. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. No, Lord, not me. Let it be someone else. Jesus said, no, you'll be fine. I prayed for you. But who would want to go through that? Jesus looked at him. And the way he cried is probably indescribable. Verse 20 of Genesis chapter 50. And as for you, you meant meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people alive. He wasn't saying that in the pit, was he? He wasn't saying that when he was shackled, church, was he? He wasn't saying that when he was back in prison again at the pot of his wife. He wasn't saying those. He wasn't. He couldn't. He didn't know. He didn't understand. He couldn't see. So we find ourselves in that shell. Let's just quickly wrap this up. Matt Mark chapter 12. Remember that the way you see yourself in your situation, sometimes that's the way we see the world. It's that it's that vision, you know. And and we when we start seeing the world like that, you know what happens? We we start, you know, we start going down that path, and you know, why is why is this happening to me? And why, and then we start going, and it's okay, it's natural we do that. We start going down that that path of sorrow. And we talk about it, and that's good. Talk about it and get it out. But at some point, you've got to be able to look deep inside of yourself while you're in that shell and say, But here's one thing I know God loves me. Oh, that's hard to do, church. When you're in that, it's hard to do that. But you've got to get to that point. And then you have to take it outside of yourself. So, first, we're going to bring an internal. You have to internally look inside of yourself, remind yourself that God loves you. And then you've got to remember also in verse 28, when they were asking the question and arguing, one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and he recognized that he had answered them well. Asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Listen. You've got to recognize that this God loves you. And then you've got to give something back. See, we're givers. We're supposed to be givers. God gave. God gave and God gives. God gave us his love. God gives us his love. All of his love. God gave us all of himself. And then at this point, when you recognize that God loves you, you've got to give something back. You've got to love him back. You have to love him back. We start with God. We don't start with our circumstance. We don't start with the people around us. We start with God. God gave, God gives, God gives. And you have to give something back. See, that's how we get out of our depression. We, we become active. We learn how to give, even in our most difficult circumstances of life. And then we, we look right back inside of ourselves. And he says this the second is like unto the first. to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You have to be able to look into the mirror of life, if you will. You've got to find that love for yourself. I'm not saying selfish love. But enough love to be able to give some back, even to the world. Even if it's your brothers who hated you. See what Joseph had to do? Joseph had to dig deep. Remember he cried? Remember he wept bitterly? He wept. I mean, he wept. He struggled with that. Naomi said, call me bitter. That's who I am. The apostles, what they go through? They were hiding inside of a, a room, locked door. They saw Jesus, and yet they were still stuck. You have to give something back. Even in our bitters, uh, most bitter state of mind and thinking and life and trouble, we have to be, we have to be givers. Hard to give to others if you haven't figured yourself out. So you got to go to God first. God loves me, does He? You got to believe that. And you have to love God back. You have to love your neighbors. And you got to love yourself. And that's a problem with our world today. That's a problem with our young kids today. They don't love themselves, right? They love Twitter and you know whatever TikTok and all. I don't even know it all. There's so much stuff online. They love that more than they love themselves. They don't even know who they are. Because they're trying to be somebody else. And they're dying. Our kids are dying. Our, our, kids, are, our kids are suffering. The world has, has placed upon them. I mean, it started back in our day, right? You know, Vanity Fair. And you know, you had all those. I'm going to Proverbs 3. You know, all those pictures. And you go, oh, if I could just look like her. And then you didn't learn until you were older, right, that they actually touched those pictures up. That's not really them. (laughs) You ever seen a model in real life without makeup? (laughs) Sorry, that's probably meddling. I better get back to preaching. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm trying to, Lord. And The Lord says, but don't lean on that. Preacher, get off of that. What? Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't measure me by your situation. Oh. Oh, that makes sense. Never measure God or God's love by your situation and your circumstance in life. Let's close. Romans 12 find ourselves trusting in the Lord. Let me tell you the easiest way to trust in the Lord. There's no formula, there's no mathematical equation, there's no, I don't have any great philosophical ideas, I just have something that I know that you know, and becomes easier over time. So if you're a weightlifter, and maybe you you can't lift, you know, 100 pounds a day, uh, eventually you build up to it, and you can lift 100 pounds with ease, and lifting 100 pounds is not even a thought. In fact, it's it's an afterthought. If you're a runner and you, you like to run and you, maybe you, you never could run a mile, a mile would just exhaust you and now you run a mile like it's nothing. In fact, you run marathons, right? Running a mile, that's not even a thought. You don't even think about the mile. You're on mile eight, right? Mile one doesn't even exist except for it's in the mathematical equation. Whatever it is in life, well, let me tell you something about your faith. If you're walking by faith now, I mean, really walking, like, biblically walking by faith, when difficult times come, guess what you'll be able to do? You'll be able to walk by faith because it's second nature to you. But if you've never walked by faith and you're just playing religion, it's going to be hard for you to find faith on that day. All of us. All of us, right? So the, the, the answer to that comment or question is, is whatever you find yourself doing now is what you'll be able to do then. Walk by faith now. And when those days come, you'll be able to walk by faith. I mean, you've got to dig deep, but you'll be able to walk by faith. So let's listen to this: walking by faith, Romans nine. How do we? Romans twelve, rather. How do we treat each other? How should we live our lives? Lord, give me something to do. God says, "Here we go, church." Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind. Being diligent, fervent in spirit, serving. The Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing. <laughs> We're talking about walking by faith now, right? Bless those who persecute you. It's easy to bless those who bless me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in your mind. But associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation, possible. So far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Never take out your own revenge, but the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is hungry or thirsty, give him a drink. There's our practice. Right. There's your practice. Just walk by faith. Tonight, let's give God our best. And when you give God your best, you're giving yourself your best. And what a wonderful place to be in. Tonight, if we can help you in any way, if you would like to surrender to Christ and the waters of baptism, if you're